Picture this. You're driving on the open road, taking in the beautiful views this country offers. Then out of nowhere, you hear a noise and your car breaks down. While still frustrating, you feel protected because you have a plan through CarShield. CarShield has helped millions of drivers from having to pay back-breaking car repair costs. All you have to do is call before a breakdown. Plans can pay for expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. All for CarShield's low monthly rate that never goes up as long as you cover your car. With a plan through CarShield, you get protection on over 5,000 major parts and systems with just a visit to carshield.com Shapiro. I'm talking big money items like your transmission, engine, electronics, and so much more. CarShield is here to keep you moving forward and make car breakdowns and the repairs that follow just a tiny bump in the road. Go to carshield.com Shapiro. Protect yourself from the unprecedented rise in costs for parts and repairs. Visit now to save 20%. CarShield.com slash Shapiro. That's CarShield.com slash Shapiro. It's an honor to be joined on the line by Thomas Sowell, the greatest living thinker in the United States, I think, and, and beyond. His most recent book is called Social Justice Fallacies, and it goes through some of the myths that underpin the social justice movement. Dr. Sowell, thanks so much for joining the show. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So the the basic predicate for social justice fallacies is about the idea of social justice. You've torn apart the notion of social justice as opposed to individual justice many times before in many of your other works. But for those who don't know the distinction, what exactly is social justice and why is it dangerous? Oh, good heavens. Uh, I suppose it's the notion that because that there are, there's unquestionably huge uh, unfairness in life, uh, that what we need is for the government to step in and make this unfairness fair. Uh, it's, it's, it's painful to, 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 to even uh, think about the, the, all the layers of errors and all of that. There's an assumption that there is somebody out there who has the knowledge to do this. There's no question in my mind that if we were to wake up some morning and discover that everybody in the world had an equal chance at everything, we would all say, that's great. Uh, the question is whether you're going to get there from where we are by government. Uh, nobody knows. It, it, the absurdity of it makes it hard to talk about. Uh, I guess they, they assume there's somebody who has all the knowledge that would be required to do that. There is no such person anywhere. There, there may be thousands of people who imagine that they have that kind of knowledge, but uh, one of the reasons I have a long chapter on knowledge is nobody can actually do it. And when you when, when you simply give more and more power to the government on the illusion that they can do it, all that you're doing is setting yourself up for more and more of your freedom to be taken away by other people. So, Dr. Sol, one of the things that we've seen, not just nationally, but internationally, and it's not just now, but it's been true for decades, is the, the sort of oppressed oppressor binary narrative that has been trotted out as sort of an aspect of social justice. So you mentioned before the idea that there's obviously unfairness in life and people then attribute that to the system and then they say, well, we can fix that. But the, the basic predicate for that is because there is some unfairness in life that is unearned. Therefore, all unequal outcome was unfair by, by nature and that was unearned. So therefore, all unequal outcome is unearned and, and therefore can be corrected. And one of the things you've done in a lot of your work is you've talked about the fact that we may all be created equal by rights, by God. That doesn't necessarily mean that we are all equal in all of our abilities or that all of our decisions are going to end up in the same way. And in fact, if you wish to construct a deeply immoral system, you ought to assume that we all have the same exact abilities, that we are all inherently the same in all different 
facets of life. And also, we ought to, if you want to create an unfair system, you ought to assume that, that actions have no consequences and that no matter what actions you take, they should all end up in the same place. That, that's the hope they have. I, 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 the evidence against it is, is, just, is just huge. Uh, again, uh, the, the absurdity of it makes it hard to argue against it uh, unless you're on, on very concrete things. For, for, for example, uh, people, people say that, uh, well, one, exa- one example would, would be that and I, I started out with in the book uh, is that people with, in different sports uh, are, are um, much better than other people. For, for example, uh, uh, in basketball, clearly blacks are, are, are overly represented among professional ba- uh, basketball players, uh, whites among ten- professional tennis players, uh, 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 Hispanics among uh, major league baseball stars. You can go through the whole thing. They are assuming that if there is a disparity, somebody caused that disparity. And, and that's, that's not even true. Even if you look at, at vegetation, you know, if there's a, a mountain range and from one side, the wind is blowing in from a, the ocean, let's say, uh, as that wind blows across that mountain range, uh, the, the, the rainfall on, on the, the windward side of the mountain may be 10 times the rainfall on the other side, after all the all the water dropped out of the out of the air, on on the and rising up over the mountain, well, therefore there will there will not be, therefore there will be a huge disparity just among inanimate vegetation, uh, uh, not 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 counting what happens with human beings. So, Doctor Soul, there there are two main errors that you point out a lot in social justice fallacies and and elsewhere in your work. Error one is is this kind of single variant analysis that is constantly being done, where you'll see people say things like, women earn less than men on average in the United States, therefore women are victims. And that that's sort of fallacy number one. And then fallacy number two is that you know all of the downstream effects of your actions today. There are no second order effects to the actions that you take. When you take a redistributive action, for example, what sort of impact is that going to have on human behavior? I wonder if you want, want to talk about those in turn. First, the idea, again, that the that that one factor can account for all differentiation. So if there's between black and white, it must be due to race. And then the other, which is the the lack of looking at the downstream effects of the actions that we take. Oh heavens! Well, uh, in the in the case of, of the black and white thing, the the question is: uh, is it is it in any way unique for one group to have a higher income than another? Uh, and the second question would be. Uh, if, is is the black-white income uh, a p- particularly more disparate than other groups? And the answer to both of those questions is no. That uh, the black-white income difference is not even the largest income tax di- income uh, difference in the United States. The Japanese Americans have a higher there's a bigger gap between Japanese Americans and Mexican Americans than there are than there is between blacks and whites. Uh, and, and, and it can't be that the Japanese Americans have some kind of power over the Mexican Americans because the Japanese Americans did not even have enough power to keep from themselves from being interned during World War II. And you can go through all kinds of groups. I think it's almost impossible to look at any multi-ethnic society and not find disparities in income, which can go from uh, some minority being far less than the majority to some minority being earning far more than the majority. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, 
Let's talk about how you stay healthy. Okay, so vegetables, not my friend. I've talked about this before. Don't like how they taste. Yeah, kind of God's revenge on humanity. They're very healthy for you. And um, he didn't make them taste like steak, unfortunately. Well, how exactly do I fill that gap? The answer is balance of nature. Balance of nature, fruits and veggies are a great way to make sure you're getting essential nutritional ingredients every single day. Balance of nature uses an advanced cold vacuum process that encapsulates fruits and veggies into whole food supplements without sacrificing their natural antioxidants. The capsules are completely void of additives, fillers, extracts, synthetics, pesticides, or added sugar. The only thing in Balance of Nature's fruit and veggie capsules are, you know, like the fruits and the veggies. There's never been an easier way to make sure you're getting your daily dose of fruits and veggies. Balance of Nature sent a bunch of fruit and veggie capsules down to the studio for my team to try. Everybody is feeling brighter, healthier, more energetic. I love Balance of Nature because it helps make my busy schedule much more manageable. Producer Zach actually brings his Balance of Nature fruits and veggies with him on the road which is how he is staying alive. He's got a busy schedule. Go to balanceofnature.com. Use promo code Shapiro for 35% off your first order as a preferred customer. That's balanceofnature.com. Promo code Shapiro. Get 35% off your first preferred order. So Dr. Sol, one of the things that, that you've talked about a lot is, is the fact that there's sort of this false binary that's been created when we talk about reasons for disparities. Uh, on the one hand, you have people who will suggest, well, the, the reasons for the disparity, if, they, if they're not environmental or if they're, then they must be genetic. And this was the case that, that progressives in the early 20th century made, the eugenic movement, as you talk about in social justice fallacies, they, they made that case. That, that, and, and now you see that case made by white supremacists in the United States, that all differentials are, are genetically based. Why don't you talk about what we know about what's genetically based and, and what is not genetically based? Wow. Well, there, there's so many fallacies the other way. The, the, the early, early one about, about the genetics uh, it was just assumed that blacks were um, uh, intellectually inferior. So most of that literature was uh, was was about claiming that people from that immigrants from Southern Europe and Eastern Europe were genetically inferior to immigrants from Northern Europe and Western Europe. And, and the reason that was so important in the early 20th century was that prior to the, the to the last two decades of the 19th century, most of the immigrants from Europe came from Northern Europe and Western Europe. But after that, it, it the great bulk came from Southern and Eastern. And so therefore, the big effort that was put out was to show that people from Southern and Eastern Europe were genetically inferior to, 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 to people from the other part. Uh, and the, the, as I say, they just assumed that that was true for Blacks. The question is when you when you uh, set a, set out a hypothesis and you grab some data and, and you know, it's a couple of pieces of data. One was that um, among the soldiers in World War One, uh, mental tests were given to a hundred thousand of them. Uh, and it turns out that uh, on for the group as a whole, uh, the black soldiers scored uh, lower on these tests than the white soldiers. They said, well, that's that's true for that. Uh, and one of the big problems with that kind of reasoning is that when you when you look at things more deeply, you may find the opposite. In this case, they found out that uh, if black, black soldiers from New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and a couple of other states scored higher on these mental tests than white soldiers from Mississippi, Alabama, and other, uh, other parts of the South. So uh, the, 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 the overall thing uh, really you know, is kind of contradicted to some extent by the details. But of course, what you, in order to go for this uh, further, further into it, you have to have a system in which people with different viewpoints are free to express those viewpoints. And so, it, the person who believed this to begin with may think that this he's proved his case. But if there are other people who come along and say, "Wait a minute, these people," and, and you know, uh, 
genes don't change when you go, go across a state line. Uh, so, so it's, it's, it's not it's not proven by what by the, by by the uh, initial data. Um, but but the the great problem today is that in in our universities, and it was the big problem then. People who think otherwise are just forced out of the out of, out of the academy. Uh, their work is uh, uh, not not published, and so and so on. And that that's the great danger now. Not that someone has a wrong idea, because people have always had wrong ideas. The problem is what, that whether you have a free market of ideas, so that the people who think otherwise can do so. Some of the most gross of all the fallacies are the, are the fallacies uh, based on income statistics. And the big problem there is the problem that they overlook the fact of, of turnover. In other words, the example that I use uh, in, the, in the book uh, is that uh, people who are supposed to be in the top 400 highest income bracket in the country uh, if you follow them over a span of 23 years, you will discover that there are 4,584 people in this so-called top 400 because it's not the same 400 people. And it's also true that the people who are in the top 10% on income, they are not the same people over time. Uh, one study showed that uh, just over half of all Americans are in the top 10% in income at some point in their lives. Uh, and of course, the people who throw around these statistics, they just Im implicitly assume that it's the same people. And I think most, most Americans, most middle-aged Americans, if they look back at their income when they were in their 20s and compare it with their income now, they'll probably find a bigger disparity than there is between the sexes or there are all between the races. So, Dr. Sowell, when it comes to making public policy, obviously politicians have a, a large incentive structure that is designed to make them obscure these things. This, they, they always have interest groups that are that are essentially lobbying them or or that they are catering to in order to avoid the consequences of, of the realities that you talk about. You see this on all sides. Now, I think right now we're seeing it a lot in terms of manufacturing policy, that that if you're going to look at, at, at the right, which is starting to embrace all sorts of subsidization schemes on behalf of particular voters claiming that free trade has been the large scale rationale for loss of jobs. And, for example, the, the rust, the rust bowl, the, 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 yes. the, you know, the rust belt, that, that that basic idea, again, it's not driven by data per se. It seems to be driven instead by a certain level of demagoguery. But people aren't you know, it seems like that very often they're unable to resist that sort of appeal. That's, that's true, uh, and 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 the, the the irony of the welfare state is that uh, it's by no means uh, clear that the, most of the government money spent by the welfare state goes for low-income people. You have a program, for example, during the Great Depression, there was there were tragic situations with farmers. Uh, they the people who had been farming for generations found they not only could not make make any money on it. But many of these farms were mortgaged, and they can't, couldn't even remain, stay on their farm because they couldn't come up with the money to pay the mortgage payments. And so, so there was an argument that could have been made, and I think even Milton Friedman has, has said, you know, the government could step in and help these people out, out in this extraordinary situation. The problem is that when you set up a government bureau to do something, they want to keep on doing that. And so today, 
we have those same programs to help the farmers. And these farmers include many millionaires. One of the reasons I first started to turn from being on the left back in 1960 when I was just a, uh, an intern at the Labor Department was that I was discovering that there were people, the government was sending people uh, checks for a million dollars or more a year just for being nice enough to be in the sugar industry. And I wasn't sure why we are subsidizing the sugar producers. Well, you know, it, you, you, when, when you run out of genuine uh, poor people uh, for, for spending money on, uh, you, you spend money on people who are not poor. You know, Dr. So one of the things that, that's kind of amazing that's happened uh, certainly over the course of my lifetime is a shift from the left with regard to where they put their social justice sort of momentum. So uh, it, probably slightly before I was born, I am back in the back in the 60s, 70s. Uh, there seems to be a lot more focus on the economic angle to social justice. The idea that there were the economically, quote unquote, dispossessed and those people had to be redressed in some way. It was all it was all sort of done under the guise of, of Marxist divisions between class. And, and now it seems as though that's been grafted onto something that's, that's much more damaging, and much more virulent. And that is it's been grafted onto race. And, and the basic idea is now in so many circles that if you are of a particular color, you're inherently exploited by people who are of another color. And because certain races, not all races who are minorities, but certain races who are minorities economically underperform other races of other minorities, it's much harder to separate. When, once people feel an identity value in the idea that they are oppressed, it's almost impossible to obliterate that. That's true. And I think, I think the 20th century internationally has shown that the, the most powerful political message is the message that uh, anybody who has more than you is has it uh, 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 at your expense. Uh, and it's, it's, it's ridiculous when you think about it in that, those terms, if you, and, and especially if you go look up the numbers. But that, that, that sells. Uh, there's, a, there's a lady, uh, Amy Chu, a professor at the Yale Law School, has made the argument that it was a great mistake for us to be going around the world trying to get everybody to have uh, free democratic uh, government uh, and at the same same time, uh, uh, free markets, because in many countries, there are some minorities that are more productive than other minorities. Uh, you think Chinese and Southeast Asia, the Jews in Europe, uh, good heavens, the Lebanese and West Africa, you can run all over the, all the, over the world. And if you're going to have a free democratic nation, you can look for demagogues to come up and, and make those make those arguments. And there's so many people who want to believe these things that, that, that it's almost futile to talk about, to talk facts to them. So, Dr. So, what, what do you think is going to be the, the curative to, to all of this? Obviously, we've seen an entire young generation that's been inculcated in precisely these social justice fallacies that you've been talking about for a very long time. It's, it's hard to be optimistic in the face of a lot of the polling statistics that are showing that younger Americans believe an enormous number of these fallacies. And, and it feels as though the battle, which seemed to have almost been won after the fall of the Soviet Union, has now completely reversed itself and now feels like it's been lost. I mean, it, it seems like the, the you know, there, there was a Clintonian era where, where even the Democrats were saying the era of big government is over. And now we have Republicans who basically say the era of small government is over. Uh, do you see any you know, hope for a, a, a sort of revival of the ideas that, that you've been preaching your, your entire life. Where is the reason for optimism? Uh, I, I, I've, I must confess, uh, my colleague, uh, 
Uh, Victor Davis Hanson has a book coming out called The End of Everything. And I believe that may well be what happens for the very reason that you, that you mentioned. However, it's not over till it's over. And what I think needs to be done is to open up some other avenue of information for young people that they won't get the constant propaganda indoctrination that they find in most colleges around, around the country. Um, there's, there's lots of stuff out there. Uh, the Hillsdale College, for example, puts a lot of, they have, they have free courses online. And I think what needs to be done is for someone to organize a central place where, where people can hear other ideas that they are not likely to hear in the, in the major institutions. Uh, whether someone will be able to do that or not uh, remains to be seen. But this whole thing of where people try to come on campus, someone like Heather McDonald or Charles Murray or whatnot, and the, and the, and the people are prevented by violence and so forth. Uh, if, we, if there was something on the Internet that was widely available to people, I think that, the, that there are so many people putting out so much good stuff that if, they, if only there was a clearinghouse somewhere, uh, they would know that uh, you can read this person who, who says the opposite. You can see this interview. You can see this five-minute uh, segment on this or that. And uh, it's just a question of can that be done in time? And on that, only the future can tell. Well, it's Dr. Thomas Sowell. His book is Social Justice Fallacies. You should pick up all the rest of his books. I have. I've read, I think, literally, Dr. Sowell, I think I've read literally everything you've written since actually your, your like master's thesis, your PhD thesis. <laughs> so uh, I'm an uber fan. Uh, and uh, there's a reason for that. Go check out his latest book, Social Justice Fallacies. Dr. Sowell, really appreciate it. Thank you. Black Friday is coming. The Daily Wire has the best deals around. Starting Monday, get 50% off a Daily Wire Plus membership and all kinds of amazing deals on Jeremy's Razor's products and tons of merch from our Daily Wire shop. There's something for everyone. Go to dailywire.com slash Black Friday. Get the full guide to all of our Black Friday deals. And don't forget to tune in all next week to find out more. Remember, these deals start on Monday and run through Cyber Monday. But we will sell out fast. Don't wait. Get the guide and start checking off your holiday shopping list today. One more time, go to dailywire.com slash Black Friday for the best deals of the year. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 